0: All right, All right. <laughs> obviously this is uh, not uh, our, our favorite way to do church, right? We wish that we could be, like, I, I love the ability just to, to be with you and see you, and, and yet God has just given us this ability to uh, be together and dig into his word. And so I'm really excited about that. Uh, excited today just to open up God's word together. Uh, last week, Pastor Matt started us off on this new series looking at five words uh, that can change our relationships. Uh, and he started us off looking at the word help. And so it just kind of seems natural that this week we should move on to the word thanks. Uh, and so, again, I just I feel like I need to say this. These words that we're looking at in this series, they're, they're not magic words uh, that are guaranteed to, uh, to make your relationships perfect and make everything better. Right? They're not just magic words that are going to fix every problem just by speaking them. And yet, when spoken out of our heart, these words have just a, a tremendous power uh, to, to, to affect our relationships for good. Uh, and just to affect the way that we relate to other people. And so we look at this word, thanks. And w- what does it mean? Right? I know, I know in, even in my own life, I can look back and there have been so many times uh, that I was instructed to say thank you. Um, even when uh, I definitely wasn't um just because it was the polite thing to do. All right, even if I wasn't thankful for what I was re- received, I was instructed to say thank you. Right? I can I can remember one Christmas in particular, as a family we were gathered around opening presents, my my grandparents were there and um get a present from my grandparents and I unwrap it and it's this this great pack of socks. And uh was instructed to say thank you. And uh and it was, you know, not out loud, but, but clearly got the, uh, the signal from my parents that I was to thank my grandparents. And uh, I, I, I definitely wasn't thankful. And yet, uh, in my own eyes, I, I'm sure that I pulled off a, a perfect uh, performance of being thankful.
1: <laughs> and yet
0: now, as I've gotten older, I, I know that my grandparents knew <laughs> my lack of gratitude for that gift. And yet, I, I said, thank you. Right, and so, so that word in and of itself, it, it doesn't have power, um, but that word, when it comes out of a thankful heart, really does. And so we're going to look today at a, a story from Luke uh, chapter 17, where Jesus has his interaction with some lepers. And, and I think there's a lot that we can learn about what a, a thankful heart looks like and where it comes from. And so let me read this story, it's from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And it says, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them. When he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to you? glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And so when we look at that story, right, ten men, ten men miraculously healed by Jesus. And yet, only one, only one of the ten, when he realized that he had been healed, came back and thanked him. Only one of ten had, had the, a, a grateful heart that caused him to go back to Jesus. Now, before we get into the practical aspect of of how this word thanks has an impact on our relationships, I I think we need to look a little bit deeper. You see, because our ability to say thanks and truly mean it, our our ability to have a grateful heart is is really derived from our perspective of the world, the way that we see the world. As I read that story, I, I ask myself the question, what was it about this one leper And what was it about him that caused him to come back? And why was it that these other nine, even though they too were healed, why did they just go on their way? And again, I I really think that our perspective, it really comes down to, to two different ways of seeing the world. Two different ways that we interact with the world around us. And, and before we uh, get going, I explain these two different ways. I, I, I want to just tell you ahead of time that as I, I start explaining them, you're going to quickly see and, and be able to identify that one of these two ways is, is, is downright evil. Right? As I explain it, you'll be easily able to identify people in your own life that you know that are selfish and self-centered, egotistical people. Right, and as I read through it, you'll also know that, hey, man, I can identify that with some of these famous villains who were ruled by greed and pride, people like Hitler and Pol Pot and Caesar and Pharaoh, and the list goes on and on and on. And yet, as I read through these two examples, uh, the problem is we often try to create a a middle ground, um, a middle option that doesn't exist. There really are only these two perspectives for the way that we see the world. And so as I look through these two different options, I want you to look at them and identify which of these two do you operate out of. And so the first perspective of how we see the world is is this. It's it's the world revolves around me. I am the center of the universe. Another way of saying it is I'm, I'm God. Everything was made for me, made to please me, made... To, to do everything for me. And this perspective leaves us with a constant expectation that we're owed something. And it's, it's our natural state. Uh, if you doubt that, spend any time with a, a, an infant. Right? Their, their whole world, everything exists to serve them. They don't, they don't understand, they don't have a grasp of the world around them. They just know that they're people who are meant to care for them. And so it's 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 our natural sinful state. Uh, And because of that, this this perspective is also where we end up unintentionally. It's because our heart draws us to this place. And when we operate out of this perspective, it it affects the way that we interact with with all of those around us. And so when we look at the way, when we operate out of this perspective, the the way we interact with the world at large, is that we, we tend to focus on the negative We focus on the things that we don't have or the things that have been failed to us or the things that we think that we're owed that we're not receiving. It goes further than that into the way that we interact with our friends and family and close relationships is, is that when we operate out of this, even though we, we often try to mask it, the reality is that when we operate out of this perspective that the world revolves around me is that all of those people exist to serve me in some way, shape, or form. They're, they're here to, to give me something that I'm lacking, and so I don't need to thank them because that's what they're for. And finally, when we operate out of this perspective, it's the the way that we interact with God is that God owes me. That God owes me something. And our lists may vary of what we think that we're owed by God. Uh, But if I really believe and I operate out of this, this mindset that I'm the center of the world, that everything exists for me, then God owes me something. Now, this is really tricky because, like I warned you at the beginning and before I started talking, it's really easy to look at this list and look at this perspective of seeing the world, and we, we see that in other people. Right? But, but how about yourself? Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 talks about this is where we all started. God's Word says this is, this is the way we, we were born, right? Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, once you were dead. That's where we begin, that's what we operate out of. And, and the reality is that we, we repeatedly fall back here. All right, the Apostle Paul talked about that. He talked about his struggles in this very area. In, in Romans chapter seven, verses 18 through 24, he just outlines this struggle, recognizing uh, that there's nothing good that lives in us. Our, our, our very nature is sinful. And then he talks about the fact that he wants to do good, but he does wrong. And the things that he wants to do, he doesn't do. And the things he doesn't want to do, he does. And we can all, as I read through that passage, I see myself in those very words. Right? That that even though I know better, I I, I continually fall back into this pattern and this perspective. That I'm the center of the world. Everything revolves around me, exists for me. and, And it affects my heart. And so this is where we start. Then the second perspective of the world really comes only once we acknowledge that we are not God. It really only comes once we recognize who God is and and who He is and what He's done for us. As you continue reading on in Ephesians 2, it, it says, But God, that God stepped in and intervened. And as we understand that, as God makes us alive, Then we can come to the second point, which is this, is that I was made to glorify God. And that's just really simply, it's it's a recognition that God is God, and I'm not. That God is the center of the universe. As you continue reading on Ephesians 2, you come to verse 10. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That we are His masterpiece. I was made by God for His glory. The world doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around the Creator. And so when I understand that perspective, again, just like the first one, it affects the way I operate with the world around me and the people around me. And so when I operate out of this perspective, the way I interact with the world is I recognize that that I'm simply a part of God's creation. And every other person is an image bearer created by God and loved by God. And so it affects the way that I interact with the world around me. And and because of that, I I don't focus on the things that I'm lacking or what I feel like I'm owed. But I recognize that I'm a part of God's bigger creation and His plan. And secondly, when I think about uh, friends and family and people I relate with. Right? Again, I'm not the center of the world. They don't owe me anything. And yet, Ephesians 2.10, right? That, that, that there were good works that were prepared in advance for me to do. God, God created me for a purpose. And part of that purpose is serving others. And so I recognize I'm not the center. People don't exist to serve me, but we all were made to serve our Creator. And ultimately, it affects the way that I relate to God. And so when I operate out of this perspective that I was made to glorify God, I come to my relationship with God and it comes down to this fact that, that God owes me. Now I know that that seems wrong, right? Because I, I said that's the same perspective from that first one, right? That when the world revolves around me, I say God owes me something. And when I recognize that God is the center of the universe, that I was made to glorify Him, that, that God still owes me. But is that God owes me His wrath. You see, if God is the center of the world, He is the creator of everything, and everything was made for His glory, then when we look at those, those passages we read in Ephesians 2, that, that we were sinful in our nature, that we're rebellious, we, we are deserving of God's wrath. And when we understand this, it changes everything. Because we are deserving of God's wrath, and yet, we're given mercy. Now, mercy is is not getting what I deserve. And if I'm deserving of God's wrath, God chooses to withhold His wrath from me and instead pours it out on Jesus. Jesus. Then, then, then we're left in that point where we stand in awe, and that, that's that's those of us who are followers of Jesus, we cling to this point that we were deserving of wrath, and yet God didn't give us His wrath; He gave us mercy instead. And so, what's our response from that? And before we get to the proper response, like we see in that that leper who, when he gets. Healed, comes back to Jesus and says, Thank you. There's there's lots of other stories of people who've received mercy and and didn't respond in the correct way. And look at the, the parable that Jesus told Matthew 18, verses 23 through 35. It's a story about a, a slave, a servant who's given master by his mercy, owed him a huge amount of money. And when he pleaded for mercy, the master granted him mercy and forgave the debt. And upon receiving that mercy, that servant goes out and finds someone who owes him a small amount of money and, and demands justice, and demands repayment. And when the master finds out about it, he, he throws the servant in jail and, and just ignores it. What a wicked servant, who upon receiving mercy demanded justice of his own. When he had been forgiven, couldn't forgive others. And so for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who recognize us, that we are sinners, right, who by nature deserving of God's wrath, and, and yet when we understand the mercy we've been given, it changes our perspective. It changes our heart. And so here's really the big truth as we look at this word, thanks. A thankful heart has to come from this point. Is that when we receive anything outside of the wrath of God, it's more than you deserve. Let me say that again. When we receive anything outside of the wrath of God, it is more than you deserve. And when we understand that, that we we have not received the wrath that that we're owed, then then it should cause in us a heart that that is grounded in gratitude. And the amazing thing is it doesn't just stop there. Because if mercy is not getting what I deserve, we, we come to the incredible reality of grace. And grace is getting more than I deserve. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We are incredible beneficiaries of God's grace. Not only did He withhold His wrath from us and instead pour it out on Jesus, but He gives us every good blessing from the Father. You see, as we learn this truth about how utterly wicked we are and deserving of the wrath of God, and as we come to grips with the fact that there is nothing in the world that we can ever do to set things right, we come to the cross. You see, because at the cross we receive mercy, complete, all-encompassing, never-failing, permanent, for-all-time forgiveness. And with that, <laughs> with that our perspective is forever changed. And with that, there's nothing else to say but thanks. And when we understand that, we can look at every other blessing in our life and say thanks. And so you see, when it, when it comes to this, our heart is really the root of all of this. Our relationship with God drives the way that we interact with others. So as we understand where a thankful heart comes from... We, we come back to this question of how does this play out in the way that we relate to others? How does this word relate to the way that we interact with others in our relationships? Because in our relationship with others, we can say thanks and we can truly mean it because we understand love. A love that's uncomprehendable. And this knowledge, it, it gives us the ability to love others. And it gives us the ability to love others the way that we have been loved completely. By God, and in turn be grateful. And so, as we say thanks, it can serve as a reminder to us, it it can serve as a switch in perspective that we have received way more than we deserve. In saying thanks, we humble ourselves and it honors those that we're thanking. Because when we understand we have a grateful heart, when when anyone, anybody in relationship with us does anything for us, we humble ourselves, recognize that we don't deserve it. We aren't deserving of anything more than the wrath of God. And so we can honor them. So let me ask the question, why why don't we say thank you? And I think this this will kind of help us as we come to the end here. Why don't we say thank you? Right? Even if we understand this perspective that, that God is, is God and we're not, and we are completely dependent on Him, we're completely uh, at His mercy and, and recipients of His grace, then how come we still fall back into that? And why do we, why do we not thank people? And I think the first, uh, the first reason is very simple. It's, it's simply because we aren't thankful. Now, this is often the case. We, we have sinful hearts, and we wrestle with this continually. That's that passage that Paul talked about, that he wrestles constantly with this, right? We need to change our perspective. And so if you find yourself here with, with a, a heart that's not gra- grateful, a heart that's not thankful, then go back and review everything we just talked about. All right? In fact, that's, that's the beauty of, of an online service, Right? is that you can literally re-listen to this, be reminded of those truths. We need to be reminded constantly of those truths. And so sometimes we do. We have a heart that, that, that's just not thankful, and we need to go back and do some, some heart work to get ourselves right with God, recognizing uh, what we are, who we are in, in Him because of Him. And the second one is, is we're too busy you know, see, this is, this is what I think happened in that story with the lepers. We don't really know anything else about those other nine lepers. But there's a good chance that, that they weren't evil men. They were just people who had uh, been stricken with the disease and, and had been forced into this idea that they were going to live a life of seclusion the rest of their life. And then Jesus stepped in and healed them. And they just got caught up in the excitement of all of a sudden their lives returning to them. They got caught up in the next steps of needing to go and see the priest and be declared clean so they could go back to their lives, to their families, to their loved ones. Probably didn't occur to them that they should go back and say thanks. Maybe they did later on, they're like, oh man, I, I should have thanked them. They, they pro- a lot of them probably were thankful and they just didn't, they didn't take the time to go back. You see, I think for us, we we have those same issues. Oftentimes, it's not that we're not thankful. We just get distracted and caught up in the next thing. And when we do this, we simply rob ourselves of an opportunity to honor others. We we, we rob ourselves of an opportunity to encourage other people, to bless them. And oftentimes, we miss this opportunity in part because of, of the third reason, the reason we don't say thank you is because we don't recognize how powerful thanks is. Because again, when we say thanks, we acknowledge others. We acknowledge what they're doing and how what they're doing benefits us. We diminish the importance and value of a simple card, a simple phone call, a simple phrase that honors others And acknowledges how their act of service, no matter how small, is a blessing to us. Thanks turns us back to God. It causes us to focus on who we are in light of who He is and what He has done for us. And with that perspective, no matter what is happening in our lives, we can practice gratitude. No matter how hard our relationships are, when we acknowledge others and and the way that they bless us, when we say thank you, we encourage them and we humble ourselves. No matter how small of a thing, no matter how hard of a time we're in, when we have that perspective of who God is and what we deserve, then we can be grateful. And we can say thanks. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Help us to have grateful hearts. Help us to take our eyes off of what we don't have. And instead focus our eyes on you and all that you have done for us. God, we thank you for your mercy, for not dealing with our sin in the way that we deserve, and instead pouring out your wrath on your Son. God, we thank you for grace. We thank you for giving us what we don't deserve. For making us sons and daughters. For making us heirs together with Christ. And we thank you for every other blessing that you pour out on us. God, we can't fully comprehend this. We can't fully comprehend your mercy and your grace. We can't fully comprehend what we, fu- what we deserved and what we get in return. And so, Jesus, we're, we're simply left with, with a phrase that seems so Inadequate. And yet it's all we have. And so we offer it up to you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen.